All right, friends, so this is the next episode of the podcast, and today we are going to be talking to Mikey B of Mikey B Cards. He collects, buys, sells, and does something called breaks with football and baseball cards. And let me tell you how much fun I had talking to Mikey B. He invited me over to his house to do the podcast, and we had an absolute riot. So with that, I hope you enjoy the next episode of the Incredible Halt podcast, this time talking to Mikey B. There are aspects of my personality that I can't control. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Incredible Halt Podcast. Now might be a really good time for me to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. Don't tell television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. The Incredible Halt. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. Podcast. Maybe if I can control it, I can use it. Hear the music. Mikey Lee, thank you for welcoming me into your house. Welcome. So uh, I, I want to, we're going to talk about a, a lot of things having to do with baseball cards, but I want to do a proper introduction to you. And the best way to do that is for you to do that. And, sure. and you buy, sell, and break, which we'll get into in a minute, baseball, football, et cetera, cards. Yes? Yes, that's correct. And how long have you been doing this? So I've been doing it informally for a little over a year and a half. Uh, I started out just basically a couple of buddies of mine were looking for a, a more, uh, a less expensive way to open product. And uh, I started on Instagram. I met people from across the country and we all kind of decided, hey, we, we love this hobby. We love some of this product, but it's so expensive. Um, how on earth are we gonna be able to afford to continue to do it? So I said, hey, why don't we all get together I'll purchase the product. I'll uh, I'll go on Instagram Live and we'll open it, and then I'll just mail you stuff. And it took off from there. And I wasn't doing anything that no one else had already done. I mean, there's been breaking for years. Uh, but what I what I kind of did uh, differently was just say, hey, let's let's just start small. A couple of buddies and I try to save some money and have some fun doing it. And then it's just grown exponentially. I, I never thought when I originally started, you know, a year and a half ago, that it was going to be anywhere close to where we are now. And so you had said on YouTube that essentially you'd been away from the hobby for a long time. Sure. What was, what was the catalyst to come back? And then obviously that leads yeah. you to, oh my God, it's expensive. But what was the catalyst that brought you back? That's a really good question. So I, I think a lot of people in the hobby are very similar to me. You know, they collected when they were kids. Uh, it was something to do. It was it was fun. It wasn't really expensive. It was a good way to like you know do something with sports. And uh, you know eventually it just got to the point where when I was younger the hobby started to get expensive. Um, it just it, I don't know. It just everything kind of fell out of favor in the early '90s. Some people stayed in it, but a lot of people left and went away. The resurgence I think right now is based on a couple of factors. One, it's people like me who got nostalgic. You know, started seeing advertisements for sports cards or started seeing them as they become more mainstream. And I was like, hey, that looks exciting. I want to I want to check that back out. Right. So right. Literally on a whim a couple of years ago, I went to my local card shop in the mall uh, after looking it up on Google to see, hey, did these things even exist anymore? And I walked in there and I literally I, I met with someone. And I said, hey, I collected, you know, 25 years ago. I'm so out of the game. Tell me. Tell me what to expect. Tell me what I should do. Tell me what I should buy. And I didn't know any of the lingo. I didn't know any of the products. So, I mean, I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, right? Uh, so I was really, really excited to start to learn. And when I came back home with those couple of boxes and opened them, uh, I got what we called a hit in, in, the, um, in the industry, which is like an autograph card or a piece of memorabilia or something like that. 
And they were really, really cool. I was like, oh, this is awesome. There's you know, an autograph of a Hall of Famer. It's like, I want to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> and again and again. So it, it just, it, it was something to do. It was something really fun. And then I found this community and people just really, really got into it. The other thing that helped with the resurgence with cards is people my age that now have young children, they're starting to get them back in the hobby. You know, their kids are getting into sports. The kids are into sports cards or whatever. And it becomes something to do as a family. So my daughter's a little young. She's not quite into it yet or whatever. But I have a lot of customers that, you know, they've got 10, 11, 12-year-old kids or whatever. And they collect with them. And it becomes something to do as a father-son, as a, uh, you know, as a family, as a, as a daughter. It, you know, there's a lot of family aspect to it. So I think that's kind of really cool to see new collectors come into the hobby. And what people might not know, right, if they're not spending a whole lot of time in the space is that it's much wider now than baseball and football and hockey, right? There's Fortnite cards, there's wrestling cards, there's Marvel comics has a line. Cabbage patch kids have a line yeah. to rival the garbage pail kids, right? There's all that stuff out there that people can play with. It's it's, if you can think of it, there's probably something for it, right? I mean, it's like anything sports wise, there certainly is obviously with the big four sports. Um, and some are more popular than others, but you hit the nail right on the head, Eric. I mean, there's just, there's so many different products. So even though, you know, sports collectibles as a whole is kind of a niche market. There's small niches within that. So if the UFC is your thing or if WWE or even Fortnite, there are things that you can still collect and have fun with at the hobby, even if it's not related to the major sports. And so I want to talk about breaks here in a second, but I don't want to bury the lead as people are five minutes into this episode. Sure. You have left a real job to do the, what people would call a real job. And this is what you do now. This is what I do. I know. And, and the number one question I get outside of why would you do that is, <laughs> <laughs> is um, they're like, uh, explain it to me. So the, the best thing that I've told people is go to the YouTube page, pull up some of the breaks. And we'll, like we said, we'll talk about that in a second. And the YouTube page guys is Mikey B. Just look up Mikey B on YouTube. Yep. You'll find him instantaneously. Yeah, YouTube.com slash Mikey B cards. Uh, and you'll start to see some of the things that are on there. And I think what you'll see is that uh, one, you, you get used to it. You, you understand, oh, okay, this is what he means by that and, and how it can be exciting. To me, it's about creating an experience. So you could break with hundreds of different people. You could go to the store and purchase your own product. I think people come to me because we have a lot of fun. It's a very engaging chat room. We have really cool products. Um, I try to keep the price points flexible so that all collectors can afford it. Uh, and then we pull some really cool stuff. And there's just something about, you know, once again, virtually you're in a, you're in a room with 50 people, even though none of them are there with you. Uh, but you pull a really cool card. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, that's so awesome. And everyone gets so excited. I mean, we got people across the globe that are experiencing this together. And it just kind of becomes like a little community. So that's why we call, you know, I don't have customers. I have, I have family. So sure. they're the fam. So the fam comes to the chat room. We hang out a, a couple nights a week. Okay. So we've danced around this for a second, but I want to start getting a little bit more nuanced about it. So a break, guys, if you're just listening, is essentially some large lot of cards mm -hmm. that you have purchased and then an amount of human beings 10 20 50 thousands pay <laughs> x amount of dollars to be a part of said break exactly and then they get a piece of it right yeah. the easiest way to describe it eric is that um is that because the hobby is expensive so when we were kids we you know you probably were like me we went down to the local convenience store bought a pack for 25 cents sure right? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming we're about the same age probably so, yeah. yeah yeah so you know it was it wasn't very expensive Today, a box of cards might cost anywhere from $100 to $1,200. Yes. 
So it's incredibly expensive. For the average hobby enthusiast, it's almost impossible to just purchase a bunch of boxes. So, so can I stop you for real quick yeah, to course. talk about the 1200 for a second? Yeah, because sure. That was the part that I was fascinated by. Do you know, like, what's your sense? When did that, like, uber affluent level card show up? Because And name some of the, the, the brands that do that. But there is this, yeah. like, crazy tier of cards. Yeah, so it doesn't matter if you're Panini, which is typically associated with football, but also does basketball. Upper Deck, which is almost exclusively hockey, but also does some basketball, or Tops, which is primarily baseball. Sure. All of them have very similar business models in that they offer sets that are inexpensive, a middle-of-the-road product, and then an ultra-high end, right? So, because there's different types of collectors. Now, is the ultra-high end any more or less cool than the inexpensive stuff. It's all in the eye of the beholder, right? And so is that a design thing, a card stock? Like, Because obviously it's not $1,200 and it's all autographs, right? Because no, then yeah. there'd be no collectible to it. Yeah, there's, um, you know, it, it, it ranges. So there's a product that Panini puts out called Flawless. It's it's very expensive, is, about $1,200, right? This is what I wanted to get yeah. to. Yeah, so it comes in a silver briefcase. So it looks really, really cool, <laughs> of right? it does. Yeah, the cards in it, um, the, the patches from the jerseys, um, they just brought out a collegiate product. Oh, cool. And most of the patches from the jerseys are from the bowl games. So you'll see like the Outback Bowl, the Rose Bowl patches. Okay, so it's it's more about yeah. access to the, the part yeah. of the game, yeah. right? You can get the same autographs, very similar patches in probably seven or eight different products. Flawless just happens to be a little bit more expensive. So sometimes it carries a little higher value. But that's where you have that tiered system, right? So if you're a collector, I'm like, hey, $1,200 is way out of my range. And it is for me, too. Um, I would never do that. Um, that's why I think breaking is so important because it gives you access to still be able to get cards from those types of sets without having to spend so much on one box. And so you've been doing this, let's say, since 2017, just yeah. to kind of put a, a you know a, a date range. And one of the things that I studied about breaks is that you have to be able to trust this person because there's a lot of people who are doing breaks that are, that in the in the computer digital world where I live we would call very black hat right yes. they take your money you don't get the card da 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 whatever what what was your what was your plan to get this this trust because I watched the one from Sunday like these people trust you intrinsically sure and hang out. For those of you listening and aren't into baseball cards, they hang out and do a YouTube live with you for four hours or more or yeah. longer. Right. Yeah. So what what was your and I won't use the word trick, but like what was the what was the tactic to kind of build that trust? Yeah, I, I, so you have to operate with integrity. Right. Um, it, it is a small market. So if you're a breaker or if you're someone trying to make a name for yourself, the moment you try to scam somebody or the moment you try to take a shortcut, you're done. Uh, and that's how it should be, right? Yes, and so yeah. I've always operated with the highest of integrity. I want to make sure that everyone gets their product. I take care of their product as if it's my own. Um, so I'm like, if I treat this better than I would my own stuff, then I feel like it's safe when I transport it to them. I take care of it when I open it and so forth. And I'm not looking to rob people out of money or anything like sure. that. Right, exactly. So now not everyone is that honest, though, in the hobby. So. When people come to me and they say, all right, well, Mikey, what do, I, you know, what do I look for in a breaker? Or who do I know how to trade with these people that I don't know them? They're just on social mm -hmm. media. They could disappear tomorrow. Yep. The best advice that I can tell them is usually you know, two things. One, if the deal is too good to be true, run away. Two, there are so many good people in the hobby that it doesn't make any sense to me to deal with any people that are mysteries. So if someone has a card, it doesn't matter if it's one that you absolutely must have and you absolutely want it. And maybe it's so super rare that it's the only one. 
if the deal seems shaky or shady, I just tell people it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. There's plenty of other ways to get other great cards to not have to deal with those types of situations to where I sent money and I never got my card or I entered a break and I never got my card. So there's actually a lot of really funny YouTube videos about of people that have scammed, including a gentleman. There's a real famous one that uh, he was doing a break and he blocked the camera so you couldn't see what was going on. You could hear shuffling going around. And he very clearly switches the card that was in the box with another card. <laughs> and so it's kind of became a funny story, the card that he showed on camera. And this is no knock to the player. He's a great player, uh, Brandon Cooks, the wide receiver. So he had a Brandon Cooks out of 99. And so that became like an industry joke. So anytime now, <laughs> like me as a breaker, sometimes a, a card might might fall out of the camera or whatever. I try not to do that. I try to have everything on camera at all times. I'll always joke, oh, it's a Brandon Cooks out of 99. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, but yeah, th- those people are few and far between. Like I said, they don't really last long. As a small hobby, word gets around pretty quick. And so... If somebody wants to get into the like, how does this work? They they pay you whatever. I mean, let's let's stay yeah. with flawless. It's a twelve hundred dollar pack. What is the buy in to be part of that break? Yeah. So in essence, for for your audience, Eric, just breaking really simply is as opposed to buying a box, I might buy a case of cards. So four to twelve boxes or whatever. Sure. I then sell on my website everything from specific teams for that break, or maybe a division. Or whatever. There's a lot of different formats. But the most famous is... Which I thought those two are super cool, right? Like if you're a Bears fan, you sign in for the break for the Bears cards, right? And that's how it works. And that's how you make it affordable. So a case of cards might be $2,500 to buy the Bears and get all the Bears cards. Whenever I open all that product, might cost you 50 bucks. So now you have an opportunity there to get the team that you want or the players that you want at a significantly reduced price. You're taking some of the guessing work out of it. And so how does... Walk me through the, the, the... nuts and bolts of like how the picking happens, right? So yeah. it's Sunday, it's seven o'clock at night. You're starting this week's break. How do people know what cards they get in the order in which they do that? And sure. so they, they know when they get their Brandon Cook 99, right? Like- <laughs> Hopefully they don't get that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, in essence, so you go to the website, breaks are posted, you buy your teams or, or what the industry calls your spots, right? So you buy your spots in the breaks. And then when I go live, Right in the upper left corner, I basically have the order of the breaks that night. Got it. So, for instance, uh, tonight we're breaking a brand new product called Phoenix. And we have three cases of that. So, there's three opportunities to buy teams with the Phoenix product. I'll have them labeled so that people know Phoenix case number one, we're opening right now. Phoenix case number two is after that, and so on. Plus, on screen, I have a little graphic that I think is really, really handy that tells people what team they have in that break. Got it. So on screen, you know, as I'm as I'm uh, streaming with YouTube, you can see what break is going on, who has what, what's coming up next, where do I go to buy spots? It's all labeled on there. That's you try awesome. to make it easy to follow. For sure. And and so again, you've recently quit your job to do this full time. You got back into this essentially 2 years ago. How how did you I was driving here and and my buddy's like, you got to ask him like how he figured all this stuff out. Like, how did you figure all this stuff out? A lot of trial and error. (laughs) Um, You know, I started very small. Like I mentioned, you know, I would do, I would do. So were your friends here when you would do the breaks or? Oh no, It was digital. Yeah, digital. They were all over, right? All over the country, somewhere across the globe. Uh, Literally, it just, I I would go on Instagram. We do like two boxes, maybe a month, right? Now I break seven to 10 cases a week. So it, it's grown un, unbelievably. 
and why I left my job. So I, I loved my old job. Sure. I worked for a great organization. I, you know, I had a, a great, uh, great job, great responsibility, nice title. I had all the cool stuff, right? The problem was, was that I do my full-time job. I'd come home, you know, pick my kiddo up from school. It'd be about five o'clock from five to about midnight or one. I was doing the side business. So I had no balance whatsoever. It was basically work and then side work. And it, it got to the point where I was having so much fun doing the side business and it started to grow so much that I was like, I, I've come to a crossroads here. I've either got to stop or I'm not going to achieve any work-life balance or I got to just leap in and, and take, a, take a leap of faith and bet on myself. And I've always had a, an entrepreneurial spirit. I've always wanted to be my own boss. And I just decided, uh, you know, the corporate world is great. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I just was ready to, for a change. And so luckily, there's some, a lot of circumstances that have been able to help make that transition very easily. You know, my wife has a great job. Um, so that's really helpful when it comes to things like insurance and so forth. Um, we've been savers all our life. So, you know, I'm not, we're not really in a, in a hard spot financially. So we crunched all the numbers. We did all the research. You know, I looked at it. What happens if the business doesn't make money year one? What happens if it never makes money? You know, what are all those variables? And everything kind of added up to the fact that we can make it work, one. And number two, worst case scenario, if it didn't work, at least I got a chance to try and I, I'm pretty confident that I could find a job elsewhere if I needed to, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and like, that's, that's the secret, right? Because if you're wired for this, um, and I, you know, my wife and I talk about this all the time, like if you're wired for this and you understand how, you know, that you're essentially standing on a tectonic plate and it can shift at any sure. time and a lot of that's out of your control. If you understand that if money's the thing that you're worried about, there's a certain type of person that you seem like it and I feel like it, that that's the easy part to solve. Mm -hmm. It's the balance that's the difficult part. Like we can get a job at Starbucks and Celebration Cinema and McDonald's and pay our mortgage, but do we have time to hang out with the kiddos and go on date nights with our wife and go trip, you know, go on trips because we're not working from 6 a.m. to midnight, rinse and repeat and splitting the day in half by job one and job two. Precisely. I mean, I, I did not quit my job to do this full time to get rich. Um, in fact, that, that would be the last strategy I would tell anybody. Well, it might not work in that case, right? No, you would, you no. would have to like this first. Yeah. But to me, the, the appeal and the draw was this. It was the, once again, be my own boss, running a company. Secondarily, I just, I'm so passionate about this this hobby, this industry doing this. And when, I think when people watch on YouTube, when people get a chance to interact with me, they see that and it's genuine. And so if you're really happy doing what you're doing, the rest of the stuff figures itself out. So like I said, we're lucky enough to be very balanced. Um, it's been awesome ever since I've done it full time. Um, I've enjoyed the extra time that I've had. I've got to spend a lot more time with my family, do all those things that you talked about. Sure. And more importantly, I get to do something I love multiple nights a week. I, I, that is great. And I make other people happy in the process. So, I mean, that's the secret to life, right? And if you love what you do, you never work a day in your yes, life. Right. Well, I don't work. I just have fun. <laughs> I have fun. That's what I do. <laughs> so I would re be remiss if I didn't ask you this question, because this was one of the more fascinating things I discovered about you while I was getting prepped for this. At what point did Gary Vaynerchuk follow you on Twitter? Like, when did that happen? So Gary followed me about, oh, seven or eight months ago. Was there I, a reason? Like, what happened? to? So he's he's kind of gotten into the hobby pretty significantly. He's a giant Jets fan. Um, and, you know, he was reaching out to some people, trying to interact with them, understand the hobby a little bit more. 
I so think this it, would have been before his cards came out, yes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, before. And I, I think he's been involved in the hobby kind of to the side for a little while, but nothing like what he is now. Sure. So, you know, he reached out to some people. We connected. We had some conversations. You know, I had a couple of cards that I thought he might like. I was very interested in getting to know him. You know, I had heard about who he was and what his message is. And I'd love to be able to give him credit and say, Ah, oh, what Gary what Gary preached is what made me made my decision. Not really, but it, he he did certainly help in that. Um, you know, his encouragement of doing something that you're really passionate about. Um, I res that, that that's a message that resonates with me for sure. Um, and I think for a lot of others as well. So, what Gary has done, um, and he's somewhat controversial in the hobby because not everyone likes what what his message is. But to me, I think he brings a lot of new people into the hobby. I love his overwhelming positivity. And he's just like the nicest guy in the world. I met him at our big convention a couple months ago. He couldn't be more nice. And I just love being around those types of people. Really positive, really nice people. You can never have too many of them in your life. And so what's what's controversial about the cards? Like, help me understand that Yeah, space. so Gary's message when he first came in was that this is a real investment opportunity. You know, he he talked a lot in his, uh, his uh, interview with Rich Eisen about... Um, the, you know, the, the kids that collect sneakers, there's only a finite amount of those. And they use those to flip and, you know, make yep. profits or yeah. whatever. It's like those kids are going to come over into cards because the gamble of buying an $8 pack and pulling a multiple $100 card is too much of a draw. And the investment potential is right there. So some people that are really hobby purists that are like, oh, well, you know, this isn't a hobby about making money. This isn't a hobby about, you know flipping cards this is just about enjoying it and, and collecting and trading there's a there's kind of a you know a dynamic there uh me personally like i said more people that are in the hobby the better yeah, right one well, and, and <laughs> like this this argument isn't unique to cards i mean no. I, you know the thing like, i collect is funko pops you see it with funkos yeah. right like there's people that buy and flip those all the time and sure. they have no interest in the actual figure they want to make the spend 10 make ten thousand, yeah. right um but what's interesting is you and I were talking last night and this morning on Twitter, like that's the premise of the Netflix documentary the about baseball cards, exactly. right? Exactly. That people thought this Ken Griffey card was going to be the thing. And it turns out there were some... There's millions of them. There's millions of them. Some right. of them were printed in a different year, right? Like, uh, so it's fascinating to me that we're, we're still 25 years later having essentially the same argument about the same product. Yeah, to me, I mean, the... The hobby, it, it doesn't matter whether you want to admit it or not. If you're purchasing things as part of the hobby, boxes or cards or whatever, there's always probably going to be a small contingent of things that you're going to keep. Your personal collection, we call that our PC. Um, but there's always going to be some things that, hey, this isn't my favorite player. This isn't my favorite team. And you're going to sell those things or you're going to trade them to get the things that you like. That's no different than making it invest. Right. So to me, it's just, I, I think it's sour grapes. And like I said, I, I like to stay positive. So I love the fact that new people are coming in. And you know what? If they're coming in and they're, they're not really familiar with the hobby and they're looking for things like investment, those are good opportunities to engage with them and say, hey, I have some stuff that I think has good potential that I don't care for. Is this something you'd be interested in? Well, and, uh, you know, as somebody who bought a couple of Gary's pieces just because I wanted to see what it was like, I don't know anything about baseball cards in 2019. And so things like breaks become super interesting to me. Cause it's mm -hmm. like, okay, for $25, I can get all the Cubs players. Okay, cool. Yeah. That sounds like something I would do because I don't necessarily care about the Tampa Bay. You know, <laughs> like I don't care. Um, 
So for you, like, what is, what's your personal collection? What are the things that you are drawn towards? I have a small one. Um, so I grew up in Iowa city. Uh, so I'm a diehard Hawkeye fan, which is rare around Michigan, but, sure is, um, yeah. and we're somewhat ostracized here, but we're, we're friendly <laughs> at least. So, you know, unlike other big 10 schools, uh, that shall remain nameless, but, um, so, you know, I like to collect a couple of things with Iowa players. This is a really good year for us in football because both TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, two uh, tight ends, were drafted in the first round. Both of them are doing well. The fact that Hawkinson is on the Lions, the local team, makes that extra special. Sure. So I kind of have a small contingent of cards from Iowa. And then I used to live in Indianapolis for 10 years. I was a season ticket holder during the Peyton Manning heyday. So they've always been a, a strong favorite of mine. So... You know, I have some Colts. Uh, I had Andrew Luck, so that that's a whole nother story. But uh, uh, that, that's kind of a painful story. So anytime I, I, I get an Andrew Luck card now, I always say too soon, as in he left too soon. Yes. So, um, yeah, but I, I have a small collection. And then I just like, I like unique cards. There's cards that have the Nike swoosh from the jersey. There's cards that one of the big um, attractions in our hobby is a, a card called a one of one, meaning okay. it's the only one in existence. There's something really cool about having a card knowing that no one else anywhere has that, which is the complete opposite of the 89 Upper Deck Ken Griffey, right? Sure, yes. There's millions of those, right? But I know there's only one of this one, and I have it. That's really cool. And so what do you think about the industry right now? Like, what direction is it going in? Because um, as I, you know, when I came in your house, I said, it feels to me like there's something going on here, but I don't know enough about it to know what that is. It's booming. It is, um, it's been growing exponentially over the last probably five or six years. So I only got in about two years ago and I felt it was, you know, gaining momentum then it's nothing like now. And I think that's strongly because the economy is good. So people have more disposable income. More importantly though, there's a lot of great young athletes coming into sports that really make it exciting. So last year with the rookie class, football cards were crazy. They were crazy at how popular they were. Still a good rookie class this year, but nothing in comparison sure. to basketball. Yeah, The Zion Williamson craze is <laughs> unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And so people that might not have been into the hobby or whatever, they're just intrigued by the fact that, okay, so wait, I might be able to spend 100 bucks on a box, and if I get a Zion Williamson autograph, I can flip that for two grand. That sounds that sounds better than a lottery ticket. Why right. not? You know, uh, so there's a lot of different people that I get into that. So I think it's a, it's the influx of there's there's money to be to be spent, which is nice, um, exciting athletes and exciting time in sports, and the cards themselves just keep getting cooler and cooler. Um, it's not anything like what we saw 25 years ago, where it's the same card or the same inserts hundreds of times over. You have things that are unique. You have patches that you've never seen before or autographed cards that have three hall of famers on it. I mean, there's just so much neat stuff in the hobby. And so if somebody wanted to, to start today, what would, what would be your recommendation of how they would do that? There's a lot of different ways. I think the best thing to do is to learn, educate yourself a little bit, um, and then take the leap. Uh, look at what's interesting to you. People like different parts of the hobby. So, you know, it might be, Hey, I want to build a set. Um, or I want to get all of a particular player in one particular set, or I'm really chasing autographs of the Colts, whatever it might be. Take a look at the various means around uh, to enjoy the hobby, whether it's enjoying it through breaks, buying boxes, purchasing things at you know a, a retail store. There's a lot of different ways that you can engage and enjoy. Plus, there's also things like we saw when we were kids. There's card shows. 
there's a whole lot of different ways to interact. Local card shops, there's a lot of really neat places where you can go and people want to educate new people into the hobby. We love when new people come in. Um, I know that there's a lot of terminology and, and a lexicon that's kind of of its own, but people pick it up pretty quick. It's, yeah, I was gonna it's say, not it, rocket it science. It wasn't that tough. But, no. I mean, I had to do some education, but, but it wasn't that tough. But it's funny. I mean, if you watch one of my, my YouTubes, what you'll see is that, you know, you're, a lot of people have been like, I don't know what was going on. I'm not exactly sure what you were talking about. All I know was it was exciting. And to me, I was like, there, hit the nail right on the head. That's what I want. I want it to be exciting. And that's certainly your superpower. That's your, your ability to draw people in. And what's fascinating is your ability to draw people in not really ever being on camera. Because this webcam is pointed away from you and towards yeah. the logo and where the cards are going to end up. Interestingly enough that you said that, Eric, because I think um, about two to three months ago, I added a second camera on top of one of the monitors. And that camera points right at my face during the breaks. I did that for and a couple of reasons. it shows up reasons. in the corner, right? Yep. Yeah. I did it for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I, first off, I have a face for radio. So <laughs> it, it wasn't to spread my good looks and charm. Uh, two, it's it, I really wanted people to see the genuine excitement. Because you can certainly hear it in my voice. You can certainly see it in the actions that I have. But when I hit a really big card, and everything to me is a big card... I just really get excited for people. And when I know it's a card for someone's personal collection, it makes it that much more uh, special. But every single week when I do these videos, I think the reason people tune in for four or five hours is because we have a lot of fun. We're very engaging in the chat. I make things exciting. Uh, and I'm really, really happy for people. So it's just, it's it's addicting. It's really fun. Have you had, and this might be a totally unfair question, but uh, I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you had a favorite hit? Like a moment where you're like, that was, that was fun. And I don't mean yeah. like Zion is the hottest, but like you just had a moment where everybody was in this zone and you hit blah and the chat room and your house goes crazy because you it hit would it, be you know? a... <laughs> It would be really, really hard to pick one out, but I've had a couple of instances over the last couple of weeks where I've pulled some very special cards and they went to friends of mine who have broke with me for a long time and always take the same team and to see them get rewarded by getting that unique card was just amazing. So I had a guy who was a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. He always gets the Steelers in every break that I do. And in two consecutive weeks, we hit two very, very big cards for him. And I know he's pumped. I know he's yelling and screaming on his side of the camera yeah. or whatever. And to me, that's that's almost cooler than if I hit it myself. Sure. I, I definitely get excited when I get a big card for me. But I get just as much, if not more, knowing that, all right, we pulled this big card. I know this person's going to love it. It's going to be in their collection forever. And, you know, I had something to do with that. I love anything having to do with stories. So to me... Cards are extra cool when there's a story attached to it. So all the cards that are meaningful to me that I collect all have a story. And so that that card for that particular person will have a story to it. And I'm, it's just cool to be a part of that. And so what's a typical day like for you, right? Like how many times a day are you opening cards, ordering cards? Like what what is a day-to-day -day like yeah. at this point when this is what you're doing? Yeah, I think a lot of people see what I do on YouTube and they're like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. I could do that. No problem. It's about 10% of the job, sure. right? Being on camera is so, such a small part. It's all the logistical things, right? It's finding product. It's trying to get things priced appropriately, updating the website, packing, sorting, shipping, getting things in and out. I mean, 
even though I only break two nights a week, which is big for some, but not as big as the biggest folks that might break five to six times a week, um, it is a ton of work, right? So the nice thing is that I'm able to get all of that done and then, you know, come time when school's over, I'm here for the family. I'm not coming home and yep. working all night in the office or whatever. I can get everything done before they're here. Uh, but, you know, a day in the life, I might wake up in the morning. I'm very active on social media, in particular Twitter and Instagram. I try to put at least four to five pieces of new content on YouTube because I am growing, not just content-wise there, but I'm attracting new people because, hey, I saw your video. Yep. I love what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. I was like, great. So I'm always trying to find new ways to interact with people. Um, you know, buying, selling, all that good stuff, trading. I use my own stuff that I sell via eBay or other means as well. So it, it is, it's nonstop. It is, it's almost 24-7. And so how do you stay up on it, right? So tonight you're going to open, uh, what is, is it, Phoenix? Is that yeah, what it's called? Phoenix is the new product. And yeah. so how do you pick them and like how do you stay up on having some idea of what's in those boxes over there i do a lot of education a lot of research so there's stuff out there months before the product hits me where i can see all right you know how many cards are going to be in this box what are the hits going to be you know i already know who the big players are right. and so forth right because i follow the sports um but i'm you know i think one of the things i like to do is as i open something i like to be educated enough to know that all right this card even though there's it looks just like a normal one. It's different and unique, and here's why. So I always try to make sure I understand what the product is. Product knowledge, right? So sure. I was in sales for a long time, and I always prided myself on making sure that I knew what the heck I was selling. So I can educate people yeah. along the way. I could help them understand why this is really cool or why this is unique um, and do that. And there's you know a variety of websites where that information exists. So I'm always looking for things to read. And then at night after everyone goes to bed and I'm still up, I'm kind of a night owl. Um, I do my research by watching others. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that do what I do and I'll be honest, there's some people that do it really well. And there's a lot of people that don't do it as well. And so I look to see what are the best doing and how can I model myself after that? Or where are the gaps? And then I, I watch to say, oh, God, I don't ever want to do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> Anyone <laughs> so, stop me if I'm doing this. Yeah, thing. yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm learning the good and the bad. But I love watching what others are because I'm just genuinely interested in that part of the hobby. So even when I'm not personally doing it, I just love watching it. So I've kind of given up TV. I mean, when, when I have free time, I watch breaks or I watch educational videos around the hobby on YouTube. Uh, that, to me, is my source of entertainment. Awesome. And so what is... What's next year look like for you? What do you want 2020 to look like? That's a good question. I, I think that I, I kind of want to see where this grows without getting to the point where I'm like, okay, so all those things that kind of bothered me about the corporate job, like being 24-7, being away from the family all the time, um, I don't want it to impede there. So right now we made the decision literally just about a month ago to break twice a week. So before it was just on Sunday. I called it Sunday Fun Day. Yep. You know, um, and that was really, really popular. It got to the point where I couldn't get enough product or I ran out of time. You know, you know, the attention spans are only so much, even when it's four to five hours. So I decided, okay, I need to add a second day. So in an ideal world, you know, two to three times a week breaking, I think is about the, the, the level that I want to get to. 
I would love to build up the customer base long enough to and big enough to be able to do other sports. Football is primarily uh, my niche, but um, you know, every once in a while, I dip my toe in basketball or baseball or whatever. I'd love to be able to break all the products because I think there's a lot of cool stuff that's out there, and there's a lot of people that would get exposed to things they might normally not. Uh, like wrestling, for instance, sure. wrestling cards, right? Great example. So I just want to, I want to be able to, to do a bunch of different stuff. It keeps it interesting for me and it keeps the, uh, the family growth pretty strong as well uh, because new people come in to experience different breaks. And so in a given year, are there card shows that you absolutely need to be at? Like what are, what are those shows? So there's, there's one for sure. So there's, there, there's certain levels of shows, right? So there's your local card show, which like, I'm um, assuming like comic cons, right? Like there's different yeah, levels of comic cons. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And then you got San Diego is like the, 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 t- the, San, Diego, the crime, right? yeah, San Diego, and then New York, right? Those are exactly, the two. Exactly. So for us, you have your local shows, um, which, you know, for us here in Grand Rapids is monthly. You have larger shows like oh, really? in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So where are those at Legends or where are those monthly? Yeah, one of our uh, local card shops here has a kind of rented out hall. And I, th- oh gosh, they're going to kill me. I think it's the second Saturday. Uh, check their website. <laughs> but it's the second Saturday of the month. They always Very have a card cool. show. Um, there's bigger card shows that you would see in like larger cities. So Indianapolis, Chicago, um, even here in Michigan, um, in um, Lansing and so forth. And then our kind of mecca is the National. So it's the National Sports Cards and Collectibles Convention. I'm sure I slaughtered that. Sure. Uh, but everyone in the hobby just calls it the National. It is the biggest event of the year. This year it was in Chicago. It kind of rotates between Cleveland, Chicago, and Atlantic City. Um, the event in Chicago, just to kind of paint a picture, imagine like the largest convention hall you've ever seen, right? Because this was McCormick Place, yes? Yeah. Yeah. 800 tables, hundreds of athletes doing personal signings. They had a whole pavilion that was just dedicated to breakers. So we're talking 30 or 40 just breakers in one area. Wow. Hundreds of thousands of people. And the motto of the National is, if it exists in the hobby, it'll be at the National. And that's true. It is such a cool event because, one, you get to meet all these people that are just Twitter names and faces and so forth. Two, you get to see stuff that you've never seen before. I mean, I held in my hand a T206 Hannes Wagner, you know, like the creme de la creme of baseball cards, right? Yeah. 52 Mantle um, to basketball people, 86, 87 Fleer Michael Jordans, um, all this crazy, crazy stuff. It's all there to see, you know, to experience, to talk about. You're surrounded by your own people, right? Um, so it's just such a fun experience. I went on a whim last year to Cleveland. I went one day in. I was like, I don't really, you know, I'll be here like a day. It's a card show. How cool can that be? I stayed the whole time. This year, I went a day early, ended up staying the entire time. I came back that Sunday after the show was done and ended up doing breaks for seven hours. Wow. I just loved it. I loved every bit of it. It was so, such a cool experience. And I can't wait for Atlantic City. I have no idea logistically how I'm going to get out there with a bunch of stuff and come back, but I got a whole year to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. So um, I know you said you wanted to open some stuff, so I, I figured you yeah. could show me how you would do that. And then, yeah. Yeah, so I figured, you know, you can't, um, you can't talk about cards and not open some, right? So I got a box here. I'll explain what this is, and then I thought maybe you could help me out. So this is a this is kind of a, a less expensive product that was new for 2019 for football, and it's called Legacy. Okay. It's an interesting product. And this is Panini. This I is see. Panini. Okay. It's an interesting product because um, you get a lot of cards because there's 
um, 16 packs, and there's eight cards per pack. So you're going to get a lot of cards. There's some number cards in there. There's autographs. There's pieces of jerseys. This was really one of the first products that had the new rookie class in it. Gotcha. But they're still in their college uniform. So, for instance, if we pull a um, Rashawn Gary, local boy, right, Michigan, you know, he's not going to be in his pro uniform. He's going to be in his Michigan uniform. So I thought, you know what? We can't talk about cards and not open a few. So I, I thought I'd give you a couple of these. Let's let's open them up. We'll see if we get lucky and hit anything crazy. So is there a special way that you open these? No, like, man. There's however you want to do it. Well, yeah. I know, but like you're the expert. So. <laughs> well, luckily you don't need any special gloves or anything like that. So <laughs> I was going to ask that. So like when you open these, obviously, how quickly do you need to put them in holders? So I basically I open the pack, and if it's something like an autograph or something like that, a big card it'll go into a protective case right away. Immediately, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I try to treat these as if they're my own, if not better. So there are some breakers that go so far as to wear like like gloves. Latex gloves latex. or whatever, yeah. I don't go that far. <laughs> it might be overkill. My, my hands are clean. I keep, you know, I make sure not to leave fingers or smudges on the cards or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I, I treat them really well. And cards that are really, really big hits have um, certain protective cases that are even stronger and more secure than just a, a regular top load, which gotcha. is just like a plastic. Sure. Case. Yeah. Yeah. Now, naturally we don't have any of those in front of us here, so I will scramble quickly <laughs> if we get if something we get good. Yeah. So all we're looking for here is to go through, you can kind of see, and I'm sure you'll have some pictures for your viewers, but the base cards are kind of like this white look to them or whatever. Um, it's a really simple design. Uh, there's lots of really neat inserts in here. So cards that have different colors, cards that are numbered. So yeah, we're just looking to see, okay, what do we have in here? There's a couple of rookie cards in here. These are cool. And now here's a, here's a good example. So this is a fun so I, product. There's a Barry Sanders. If there you, you go, Barry. See, there you go. We got our guy right there, our local guy. There's, and a really Antonio Brown. Uh, so we got an Antonio Brown. <laughs> now this is, this is painful, but you'll notice on the back here. So you see how it's numbered. This is 24 out of 35. So let me get a shot of that. Sure. Hopefully we'll get something cooler than Antonio Brown. <laughs> but well, literally anything would be cooler. But than what's Antonio neat Brown. is that, okay, so this is, this is the regular card, but it's kind of got that different finish to it and it's numbered. So there's only 35 cards in existence like this card. And so assuming that's not Antonio Brown, what are you, what are you going to do with, you would, box that one up yes so yeah let's say it was uh one of the rookies uh, kyler murray daniel jones something like that one of the really strong quarterbacks or whatever what i would do is i'd put it in a little protective sleeve we call that a penny sleeve uh and then i would put it in a plastic holder called a top load and that will keep the car secure and then whenever i decide to sell it trade it move it or whatever i'll still keep it in that and i'll secure it even further when i ship it out very cool so here, let's uh, we'll go through a couple. We'll see uh, we'll see who's lucky enough to get the first hit between us. So we're looking for an autograph or a card with how a, um, so yeah. So how often in these packs do you do? Is your are you guaranteed? Some of these say guaranteed hits. Is this one of the? Is this a guaranteed hit box? Yeah. So in each box, you're usually and that varies. So but you are guaranteed to get something. And sometimes they'll tell you that. So like here's a really neat Roger Craig that's out of. 35 so veteran hall of fame player for the 49ers um some of these boxes they'll have like one autograph in it some of these boxes have 10 autographs in it so it varies from product to product and that's where you get different price points so this particular box right here this is about an 80 to 90 dollar box 
Usually you're gonna get one autograph and one memorabilia card, plus a lot of different numbered cards. Sure. This is a really fun product to open with um, uh, with young kids or whatever, because there are a lot of shiny cards in there. There's a lot of numbered There's, cards. There certainly are a lot of shiny cards. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and see, this is, I think, what, what, um, what people have to kind of figure out with the hobby is that, okay, they've got all this new stuff. How do I know what's good, what's not, or whatever? And that's where I think you just ask a lot of questions. All right, so I have, I'm using your beginner luck here, Eric, to pull us a, a monster <laughs> autograph. So we like to call that new guy mojo. So <laughs> I hope I can help. We need some new guy mojo, but yeah. And I always go in, anytime I'm opening stuff, I go in with zero expectations. Like I'm not expecting to get anything crazy or huge. If it does happen, that's awesome. And if it doesn't, you know, that's okay too. Cause, um, you, you cannot, you cannot win them all. Here's a Thean numbered, but there not we go. autographed. And Thielen's a pretty popular guy. A lot of Vikings fans really like collecting him. All right, so this is the part you get to edit out until we get to like the hit. And we're like, oh, right. <laughs> well, no, then they get the sense of what, the, what it's like, right? Yeah. And so for us, you know, we might take, all right, hey, we're, we're, we're breaking these packs. Here's new guy mojo. New guy mojo. There we go. Okay, so you got the autograph. We got Will Greer. Nice card. Uh, I believe he's the backup quarterback in Carolina. Let me grab a photo of that. So that's our autograph card. And we'll just put it in a sleeve to protect it right now. And, and so for the rest of this pack, we don't need to open the rest of this pack. Sure. This is very fun. Would there is there a chance there would be another autograph in here or no? Sure. There there's always a chance. Okay. There's um Panini does a great job when they're packing out their product to, you know, um, you know, what they say on the box is 95% of the time, if not more, what you're going to get. Occasionally there are boxes where they say, hey, you're only going to get one autograph and you end up getting two. Um, sometimes they have specific boxes that they like to call hot box where sure. you get three autographs when you Which were I only supposed to get one. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a lot of different potential in there. Now, occasionally you end up opening a box and you don't get Right. What you were supposed to get. And that's why they say on average. So what I found for those types of situations, which like I said, it's it's fairly rare, but I was doing a product review video of a particular box, I remember, and uh, there was an exclusive card that was supposed to come in that box and mine didn't come with one. <laughs> and so I'm like, hey, I, I contacted Panini. I'm like, I'm going to upload this video. Uh, a lot of people are going to see this. Um, you know, I'm not asking for anything. I'm just letting you know my box didn't have <laughs> that exclusive card. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And you know, they ended up sending me a bunch of stuff to, to kind of make up for it. So they, they more than did well. I mean, now, their customer service is strong. Now, are you at the point at this point where the vendors are actually talking to you directly? Is that happening? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've got contacts with most of the bigger companies. Um, you know, I have distribute, uh, distribution deals with like supply companies and so forth. But you know, I, I think part of the fun of being in the hobby is getting to know people. And sure. so, Knowing people at Panini, um, at Upper Deck, at Tops, and other, uh, these other companies, it's really, really nice to make those connections so that if I have a problem or if I have an issue, you know, I'm not just making a blanketed statement, you know, online where thousands of people are going to see it. Instead, I can send them a private message and just say, I just want to let you know this happened. You know, let's talk about what we can do yeah. or, or I'm just letting you know, but more often than not, they're really, really great and really easy to work with. And 
I know some people's opinions of them aren't the same as mine. I've just had really great experiences with them. And I chalk up some of that to the fact that I've met these people personally. Um, I've talked with them, uh, consider them associates and, and friends in the business. And uh, like I said, it's a small hobby, so you got to take care of one another. And I'm very complimentary to these companies when I do videos. So I, I can do a product review video where I'm like, I don't really like any of this stuff and we didn't get anything. I will still make it sound like this is the craziest and coolest thing ever. Sure. Because in, in the deepest of my heart, that's what I believe. I think, I think all this stuff is really cool. So yeah, we try to have fun with it. That's awesome. Mikey, this has been a blast. Man. Yeah. Um, if people want to find you, you said Instagram and Twitter, it, it's just Mikey B cards at both of those. Yeah. Mikey okay. B card, Mikey B cards, all one word is M I M I K E Y B as in boy C A R D S. Um, those are the best places to find me. We mentioned YouTube. It's youtube.com slash Mikey B cards. Or if you just search Mikey B, you'll see my logo. Uh, looks kind of like a, a, a base kind of like home plate, uh, with Mikey B cards on it. Um, those are the best places to reach me. I'm starting to branch out into some other things. Um, I have my own personal Facebook, but I think we'll probably have a business Facebook page coming up here pretty soon. And then as other social media comes out, I'll probably dip my toe in the water and see what I can figure out there. We've got to get you on TikTok, man. Yeah, that, that <laughs> Gary preaches that's the next thing. I'm like, how do I make six seconds interesting in cards? I don't know. You so, just did. You pulled, a, you know, you you pulled an autograph. There you go. I'm good with the boomerang. Right. I, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's just on a different platform. Same thing. Add some cool music to it and we're ready to go. Dude, this is awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. Thanks for man. the time, dude. All right, we will catch you guys next time. This is the Incredible Hulk Podcast. <laughs>